0: Dude, nothing makes me feel larger than my office chair breaking. Oh, no. Dude, and so, like, it's not entirely my fault. It's physics's fault, which sounds like I'm passing (laughs) passing the buck. But first of all, listen. So,
1: (laughs) so, okay, so you you
0: know how. Office chairs come with those, like, black tire, little, like, plastic black double wheel things. Yeah, yeah. You can buy these, like, rollerblade wheels okay. that are, like, quieter and smoother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. since I'm literally in here, like, hours after Alana goes to bed. Yeah. I bought those to, like, make it a quieter roll when I'm that makes around. Sense. But... The center of like the grab, so the where the pin is on the old tires is further out on the roadway tires. And after the last year and a half of being on these tires, they've started to twist the leg of the chair that it's on. Yeah. And one of them is just giving way. Oh, and so no. I have a lopsided chair now. And like, I look at it and I'm like, I almost fell over because I leaned back and it was on the short side. Well, okay. I legit almost fell. And so it's not
2: just me being fat, but it's also (laughs) physics. Well, and it's not also physics. It's the fact that, you know, you, there's modifications going on here. This isn't, you know, like breaking (laughs) a headline, breaking an OEM (laughs) chair is very different (laughs) from like, I did some, you know, some mods myself and, It didn't have the same structural integrity as you know the original manufacturing job or whatever.
0: And I've sat in this chair twenty pounds heavier than this, so like I know (laughs) it's not just me. For 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 our our careful listeners, yeah, like it 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 doesn't help (laughs) 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 knowing the fact and like living the fact. Yeah anyway so that's that's what's going on in my life
2: what's your what's your what's your office chair game like when when i moved to it's terrible really you spend all that money on streaming equipment and you're getting by with a, just a regular ass chair no i mean it oh, is okay.
0: it is a it is a like it's got the mesh back and okay it, it, it it's it's a legit office chair it's just old it's yeah. like almost 10 years old at this point mm-hmm. and so i need to get a new one like the the like arm cushion stuff is like breaking mm-hmm. and like it's not even full both arms are like broken like the chair's on its last legs so i'm in the market to go
2: get a new one i just you know haven't when i when i moved to new york i knew that home office i was gonna need to to go hard on on chair. Mm-hmm. And um, at a previous job they had these chairs that were really good. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm going to look in and see what this is. It's like a $3,000 office chair, new yeah. or whatever. You know, like Herman yeah. Miller, Aeron, blah, 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 blah. But you can get them used. And you can get them used for pretty good... It, it was especially good at the very start of the pandemic because all the offices were closing down and just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just unloading like crazy. But... Yeah, I got mine for a couple hundred dollars. It was very good, very, very, very good investment. But I was looking through sizes, right? Because it's like A, B, C, small, medium, large, whatever. Mm. I was looking through, you know, what I would fit in because, you know, the ergonomics of being a very tall guy, I'm 6'4, 6'5, something like that. And, Uh you know, it's different. But you run into this problem of being (laughs) kind of the opposite problem, I guess. Being a tall, skinny guy, everything. Everything is big and tall. There's no big or tall. Oh, so interesting. Okay. I've got these these armrests. Like, you know, this is rated for, like, people who up to, like, 400 pounds or something. I don't know. Like, I've got these armrests that are, like, out here. And I'm, like, missing oh, wow. them. wow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I never even thought of that.
0: Yeah, well, because, like... Of all the industries, chairs are the most one-size-fits-all. It's like, yeah, it's big and tall or tiny person. Yeah, right. Or like average. Mm -hmm. That's wild.
2: (laughs) I never even thought of your plight. (laughs) Oh, man. Everybody got their own thing going on, I guess.
0: Seriously. Well, so then also like, do do you have it where you're sitting with your knees at a 90-degree angle?
2: Yeah. So is your desk just higher than most? Oh yeah, my desk it, I can I look over at Rachel's desk. My desk is at least a good 4 inches higher.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
2: I've never seen your workspace
0: before. Yeah. Like in any job that you've had, I've never come to visit your
1: work.
2: I uh-huh. think. Oh, yeah. Every time, like, there, there's everybody else, you know, like, you, you know, because you have like the, I worked at a lot of places where it's like the, the, uh, um, those cool standing, the desks. standing the, desks, the motorized, yeah, yeah, motorized standing desk, you know, and, mm. and it's just like everyone's like down here and then like I'm here. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Man. Things you don't think about. I've <laughs> known
0: you for literally 36 years. <laughs> I've never thought about you at a desk. <laughs> man, that's wild.
2: This <sighs> cool. good, man. You ready ready to do a podcast? I am ready to do this podcast.
0: You know, I look back on this week of comics that I've read, and I'm kind of just meh. Meh? All right. That's yeah, too bad. I, yeah, yeah but you know what like come down off of king of black I, I almost anything i'm going to read is going to be kind of meh sure <laughs> i got so hyped freaking but so oh, b- wait, this, wait 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 before 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 we normal.
2: before we get back to into it let's do the the intro shall we <gasps> we should intro This is hype is My Superpower. It's a podcast where we talk about the things that we're hyped about. Two great friends. My, I'm Steve. He's Will. I'm in New York. He's in California. I used to be in California. And we miss each other dearly. That's why we have this podcast. This is, this is how you know,
0: one, we're not professionals. And two, we don't have a script. <laughs> <laughs> the last like eight Episodes have had a very different intro. I'm I'm trying to change it up, man. Yeah, I noticed (laughs) the first like ten months was all it was very like you had it down pat, except for the one time that you called our listeners hypsters, and I was like, this is this is not this is
2: not what I want from what we're doing here. (laughs) I think there's a broader conversation to have about whether the podcast is more. Like we're we're putting on a show, you know, mm-hmm. like producing a show or right versus us just hanging versus out versus being yeah, hang out. And so, you know, trying to strike the balance.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, once <laughs> we get into the meat of the show, it's very much we're just hanging what out talking is. about fucking yeah, comics
2: that we read. Totally.
0: But we like you, know, we have an intro song, we have like a like Spiel at the beginning and then we have an outro and I've figured out my like exit line. And like (laughs) it's like it's like the sandwich. So like the bread is like our business, but then Mm -hmm. we've got like the meat of just the hangout. But like you're changing the slices and like the thickness of the slices as we go.
2: I'm going cracker. Yeah.
0: (laughs) sometimes sometimes we'll have a sourdough bottom but we'll have like a, a rye top <laughs> and you're just like fuck it it's a sandwich <laughs> we just got to get to the inside anyway <laughs>
2: yeah i've i've been i've been getting into some outrageously casual podcasts lately and it's been yeah it's been kind of screwing with my perception of how how to start a podcast myself yeah. You were yeah, the un- you were the unfortunate guinea pig who's never <laughs> who's never briefed on any of it.
1: Yeah,
0: no that's fine. Well so like I was going to talk about it when it released, but I recorded some Marvel Movie Minute pods with oh, with so- Matthew and his other host and I don't remember his name. It wasn't Paul. It's not Paul. You would never forget No, Paul. Paul. Paul's my boy. <laughs> so Marvel Movement, it's very interesting. I really like the idea is basically they shoot a podcast with every episode being one minute of a movie from the MCU. Right. And so they're on their fourth season, which is Thor. And I got brought in for five minutes. Wow. And we shot five podcasts and they're like 20-minute podcasts where you just okay. talk about everything that went into that minute. Sure, sure. So takeaways from the minute, acting, design choices, like you really break it down. Like the super in-depth director's commentary kind of a thing. Yeah. It's a really cool idea. And it's and it's like eternal content. Yeah. Because like You know, um, especially, God, can you imagine when he gets to, like, phase three when these movies are, like, three hours long? No. That's, like, a year's worth of content right there. (laughs) Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) He's never going to catch up. And it's just such a cool idea. Mm -hmm. But so, anyway, point is, I was on five minutes of that. It's very structured with Matthew. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this intro and then we'll pause. Yeah. You know, after we, after
2: some advertisers I have no control over and then <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and when you're recording you literally just sit there in silence to, to to fill the yeah. i'm sorry i'm sorry matthew to uh, to pull the pull back the curtain on your process <laughs> here but
0: yeah and then and then like Matthew's got like questions prepared to like keep the like conversation going, and oh yeah, they he's control- so much
1: better. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, and they
0: like they, they they control the conversation and yeah. the pacing, and then has has like a wrap up feel, and and then all right, just want to thank you for coming out. Since you're a guest, you know what kind of like thing do you have going on? In your life? you want to talk yeah, about your podcast? So- you want to talk about your Twitch? da da, and then we cut it, and then we hit end recording and then we hit recording again and we start the next episode and it's like it's very whereas whereas whatever you're listening to is just like it's like going from classical music to like edm and somewhere and you and i our podcast is somewhere in the middle
2: Oh man! Well, what did what did you read this week? What what's, I'll what's, tell your, you what's what, I read. what are your meh comics?
0: So we got Maestro Warren Pax. I don't know why I'm reading this. So <laughs> the re- the reason why I say that is because I'm very fixated on reading Six One Six, and this is the rise of one of the versions of Maestro. Like whenever Maestro gets brought in, it seems like it's always the same one that they keep on just adding more of that story in.
2: Maestro is an evil future. Hulk right Maestro Bruce Banner
0: Maestro got first introduced I think in like the 90s in Peter David's run yeah yeah and it was it was a storyline called Future Imperfect and it's basically old man Hulk with a giant gray beard and he runs the world girls
2: so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so,
0: Robert
2: Bruce Beyonce Banner
0: (laughs) so so last time I read Maestro, it was kind of like it was him getting introduced to this post-apocalyptic world. And this takes place after that. Okay. And then I read Eternals, which is a volume one, Kieran Gillen's run of Eternals hey. called Only Death is Eternal. And
2: it's very odd. And as you would expect for Eternals, I suppose.
0: It is kind of what you'd expect for Eternals. And it's just weird because the feel is so different from the last two runs of Eternals, but they're mm. still like continuing sort of the same story. I don't oh, know. It's interesting. We'll talk about it. Okay. And then we've got volume 13 of Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man, which They is are really cranking
2: those out, man.
0: Six issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, and then in like two weeks, I'm going to have the next volume of, of Spider-Man. Wow. But this felt like this could- I don't- I, I have to double check who's- writing the next one but yeah. this kind of felt like it I guess it's just closing one of the chapters that <laughs> he's been telling it's okay. a lot of the boomerang stone tablet of life and death or whatever okay sure stuff so it, um, oh and also I was talking so he has this new suit that's like yeah. this like live stream suit <laughs> yeah, and I was saying I was hoping it all, it's only for like two issues it's for the whole volume but anyway <laughs> <laughs> And then I got about halfway through this guy, which is Wolverine Black, White, and Blood. And it turns out it's like a series. Well, it's a theme, I guess. There okay. are two other white, black, black, white, and bloods so there's a Carnage and a Deadpool, I think. Oh. And it's basically little one shot issues, and everything is black and white and red. Interesting. And then it just gives them the opportunity to tell the, some of the more gruesome untold stories. Sure, of course. Where they just get to lean into the blood. It's it's kind of like, it's whatever would be right in between 616 and Marvel Max. Sure, yeah. Like Marvel Knights was kind of like that. It was very, right. it was a lot more dark and gritty. Yeah. But, and so it's kind of like along those lines. Okay. But I'm not going to talk about that because I'm only halfway through. But it's, it's, it's like, it's 616 and just like, Hey, this also happened in the past. Hey, this also happened in the past. Sure. And it kind of each issue kind of jumps around and just like talks about
2: something that happened. Right
0: on. So, yeah, nothing too insane,
2: but um, right on. it'll be fun. What do you got? I'm getting back into the 90s X Men, of course. Mm-hmm. I've got an arc of Excalibur, I've got Ooh. just sort of a uh, grab bag of ketchup. Issues on the various X-Men titles. X-Men Unlimited, X-Men, and Uncanny X-Men. And then I have... I might I might save this X-Factor for later because it's only one issue. And then I've got Bishop XSE miniseries. Oh, right. Yeah. And then X-Men, which I didn't finish. So that's a preview for next week. So you saying that you only had one issue of was X-Factor?
0: Yeah. Do you read these basically in release order
2: no so I've got this this chronological like there's this chronological X-Men project right mm-hmm. that kind of tries to loosely sort and sometimes they do it sometimes there are some real problems but often it's it's quite good mm-hmm. you know so before comics were like before all comics were collected in trades you know yeah before trades were a part of the publication model for monthly comics, Story arcs were much were just varying sizes and varying degrees of like, you know, just this being its own thing or whatever, or like attempt to keep them separate, you know, or an idea of, okay the story arc actually ended here and started here. And so they do their best. And so you'll you'll see a lot of like something that's a very self-conscious story arc will be in its own folder and then you'll just have a folder called untitled and it's just all sorts of things smooshed together like connector mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that so okay so I, I might hold x factor until the next time a story arc comes in but then again i would I would like to i'll, I'll just talk about it. whatever fuck it and then <laughs> we're gonna talk about hawkeye right about oh yeah the disney plus
0: yeah hawkeye this show. might be a good week for that
2: yeah i feel like My segment's going to be pretty short
0: compared to how hype I usually get and spend way too much time on on comics. Cool. So I
2: think we should have some good time. Let's go for a shorter episode. I I intend to cook dinner tonight.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, let's do that. Okay, so so then let's just let's just jump right in. Let's jump right in. Okay, so Maestro Warren Packs. This is a sequel to the last one shot of Maestro Symphony in the Gamma Key, where we find out that Hulk was held in in like cryogenic storage basically by aim and then old man Modoc brings him out and he's like hey we got to figure this out we're post-apocalyptic earth and and you know i unfroze you to study how resistant you would be to the radiation in the world blah 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 blah, blah. and then we found out that the world blew up basically because of this like terrorist organization that thought that the world was getting too complacent and too boring or something. I don't know. They they had their whole... It's called the Black Scythe. Okay. <laughs> Gotta name it something. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. We It was introduced in Symphony in a Gamma Key I thought it was just kind of a throwaway, but they keep on talking about it in this one. Okay. I find that happens to me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Things that like are brought up for three pages and in an entire volume get expanded upon later and like, cool. Good for you. I'm glad that you as the writer didn't forget (laughs) about this, but I would have appreciated some sort of sign that this is going to be more important.
2: (laughs) And, and you read so much that, yeah, but it's not all going to stick with you. I get that. Yeah.
0: And I'm, i guess honestly it was more there the Black Scythe happened years ago. And so the time they spend on it here is more scenes from when they were active. So it's not even that big of a deal. It's just it's just the fact that he spent more time on it that um that, that had me surprised. But it is what it is. So anyway, Warren Packs. We have Maestro, he has his like robotic war dogs that he created from an old alchemix alchemax building and he's using them to like establish his dominance and in the last volume we came across this little city of survivors in washington dc they are led by aaron stack machine man and basically we deal with them and deal with as in Maestro sends an envoy and he's like they can join my city of greatness or they can die because that's the maestro that everyone knows and loves. they okay. so either my my way or the highway. Because of that ends with Aaron Stack surviving and, pull, and everyone evacuating, but they blew up the, the little town. There's this group of basically like demigods that I've never heard of and I was waiting for some sort of like explanation on like who they are or who they were in 616 because they have like it's it feels like they've like chosen new names they seem kind of like Eternals in in design Hmm. like one looks like Thana one looks like Zerus one looks like Cersei Mm -hmm. but all the names are like Delphi Atlanta (laughs) oh I, I
2: came across these the Pantheon the Pantheon yes I do not know them but apparently they're a thing yeah, they're like a whole They're they're one of those things where it's like This is, you know, some council of important things That's only ever shown up in this one title It's hilarious okay. is, is this Maestro book written by Peter David? It is Yeah, he's the only person who cares
0: Ah, okay Well,
2: yeah, that explains yeah. that Yeah <laughs> I love Peter David, but yeah He's the only person who's ever written any of these characters
0: Got you yeah. So kind of like the changeling
2: stuff with X-Factor Yeah Okay, cool. All
0: right, so Pantheon's around and they've been laying low and then they see that Banner is back and so they have to take action.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so your antagonists go from Aaron Stack to the Pantheon and it ends with him fighting the Pantheon at the suggestion of old man, Dr. Doom. Okay. Basically, because Doom Doom's going to doom. <laughs> He's basically putting the Pantheon in front of Maestro to deal with one of them, basically. Take one of them off the board so he has an easier time to take over. Yada, yada. Pantheon loses. Comic book stuff happens. (laughs) (laughs) Like, comic book stuff in the sense of, like, we got... I'm I'm very very well
2: aware What you mean by comic (laughs)
1: book stuff
0: (laughs) Like Maestro Maestro was captured Maestro got out They pull up an LMD of Betty Ross And and Maestro turns back into Bruce So they can kill Bruce And then they put him into This like pool Vat of adamantine Slash adamantium Slash whatever this Super crazy
2: of course yeah unbreakable metal yeah is
0: yeah. and then but then hulk gets out because hulk right and <laughs> hey imagine that <laughs> and he basically comes back sees that doom had taken over his town because he was under the impression that my was out and then it turns out that doom my show are working together So on and so (laughs) forth, and Maestro is like, "Yeah, I know we were working together to deal with the Pantheon, but our deal's off. I'm not splitting the country with you." And Doom is like, "Yeah, I figured. So let's fight." And then um, (laughs) they fight. Their fight relocates to an old Alchemax building, which is what Meister wanted because there's this giant electromagnet there. And so he turns it on and it removes all of Doom's armor. He sees okay. how disfigured Victor is. And Maestro's like, holy shit, did I do that? Which I mm. don't understand why he would think this because mm. he knows Doom, but like, right. it, it was a weird... It was it was it was a, it was a Martha moment. <laughs> like we have we have this fight going on and then one person shows a moment of weakness and that stops the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was all the time that Doom needed to get his mask and inside his mask other than, you know, pieces of the cross, inside his mask <laughs> is like a getaway teleporter device and so he gets away. <laughs> And it ends with the abomination showing up. You no know, okay. abomination coming out of some rubble. The rubble was at the AIM base where Modoc was. And so they killed MODOK somewhere okay. in there, by the way. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But anyway, that it, seems it's, it's, yeah. It says the abomination returns in Maestro World War M. So it's, th- it, this story just keep going. is still, yeah. yeah and like, the thing that I'm worried about is if I drop this, he's gonna show up. He's gonna like time travel. He's gonna come to six one six, and I'm gonna be like, "Well, I don't know
2: <laughs>
0: what ha- <laughs> what kind of grudges is he showing up with? I don't know." It's
2: I think you're okay, but uh, okay, <laughs>
0: just mm. so yeah, it's not it's not great, but it's. It's it's a it's a fifteen dollar investment every six months. I don't I don't know if it's <laughs> and and your time yeah it's like an hour of my time it's not that it's not the worst yeah. thing in the world i've read worse it's just the fact that he's not stopping <laughs> like, <laughs> he just keeps going anyway it's not a big deal anyway moving anyway. on K- kieran dylan's eternals which is a volume one which is yeah. cool because all the other Eton- eternal books have been one shots
2: yeah but they're make they made the eternals movie they got to support it yeah, In case anybody watched that movie and decided I'm a fan of the Eternals now, this movie has. Oh, man. You know what is the it's fucking so killer? I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry to to derail you like this. Last night I watched. Last night I watched Nomadland, a movie by the same director as Eternals, Chloe Zhao. Chloe, yeah, movie's great. It is also like could not be less similar to Eternals, huh? Like it's like slow paced and per- oh okay they're both slow paced but it's like personal <laughs> you know like yeah there's no exposition you don't know what's going on a lot of the time you figure out what the you know like who the character it, it it follows one character extremely closely and her you mm-hmm. know interactions with other people and the connections that she makes or lack thereof based on her own agency and choices and it's just a really profound and touching movie. And I wish that Chloe Zhao could make a Chloe Zhao Marvel movie. Like, mm. if you could go for, if you could have, and and I don't know, you know, I've only seen these two movies by her, so I don't know if that's like her style or whatever. But like, you know, if you made a Wolverine movie like that. You know, like this person who's just wandering the world and trying you know like the 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 various ways that they get attached or reject attachment to other people, and it's just like personal that would be incredible, yeah, and instead we get <laughs> this, and it's just like yeah, yeah, I just you know because you is yeah, you've seen other like you know directors who've made their made their mark and as very good independent directors like taika Waititi and james gunn and you know brian coogler and so on and they come to work in the marvel sandbox and they make it work they find and there are some that don't you know i'll always want i'll always cry for what could have been with the edgar wright ant-man movie but Mm -hmm. i understand that that was not couldn't happen but i just want it's a bummer that we'll never see chloe zhao We'll never see a Chloe Zhao Marvel movie, and instead we saw we got Eternals. It's just the absolute wrong project for that director.
0: Yeah, and so to that point, I was just like, of of all the like landmark MCU debuts you could have, trying mm-hmm. to fit the story of the Eternals into what's My been established God. in the MCU is yeah. one of the hardest stories I feel like anyone could ever tell. No kidding, they really like yeah it's just like i i understand that when you're looking at like big groups on like a checkbox to bring yeah. in from 616 to the mcu eternals is going to stare at you
2: i wonder if it was just like hey where where can we put angelina jolie and salma hayek for like half a movie
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> i mean you know cause, yeah cuz uh, honestly like to have someone as unaging as Angelina Jolie as an an (laughs) unaging Greek goddess, basically like checks out. Yeah. Right. Like I'm here for it, but yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's a bummer. But, but also like from what I've heard of of Chloe Zhao and from what you just said, like I want her to have another chance, but like, I feel like Eternals was such a, like polarizing movie. Like, so it got a lot of support and it got a lot of hate, yeah. but I feel like it's such an in the middle movie that I don't know if she's going to get another chance. Yeah. Like, as opposed to like a Ragnarok for Taika. Right. Or,
2: Which was you know, just Black a Panther for Kugler. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I don't know. It's it even talking about each Etern- even the <laughs> Eternals books, don't yeah. blend into the rest of the months. totally
2: yeah because they weren't because because they've never been a part of the, I mean you know so, okay Cersei was an Avenger Gilgamesh has been on teams here and there but like the 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 Eternals as a self conscious group has never. Connected with the rest of the Marvel universe in any way, nor should they
0: really. Nor need should they. To. Like, exactly, their, yeah. their story is so beyond
2: the yes. blink of an eye that
0: is the Avengers. Even though now they've been around for a million years, but whatever <laughs> conceptually they've been around for a million years. However, comma <laughs> oh. <laughs> that has not been a thing except for the last like three years. Right. So- <laughs> God. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's Eternals. Can be its own thing. It doesn't need to mix in, and yeah. I also feel like it's it's too late to bring them in. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the concept of the eternal should right. have been this legendary thing on the side this right. whole time.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know,
0: what are you gonna do? Like, right? That's that's not being fair to the last twelve years
2: of Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. But yeah. Anyway. So anyway. Sorry. Book, sorry to derail.
0: No. No problem. No problem. So the modern Eternals run starts with Neil Gaiman's run, Mm -hmm. and it ends with Tiamat, the the Dreaming Celestial, standing in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. And then we got, oh, God, the last Eternals book that I just recently read that came out a couple years after that. I forget who wrote that, but that dealt with more of the Dreaming Celestial stuff. And so we actually see the Dreaming Celestial leave. Mm. Dream of celestial. And so that and that book ended with him transcending celestials. Oh, cool. So we all, they explore this whole celestial project. Right. So Mm -hmm. they'll go to a planet, create 100 deviants and 100 eternals, Mm -hmm. and they'll come back eons later to see if the eternals have more presence or if the deviants have more of a presence on the planet. And whichever one survives, that energy gets donated to whatever the Deviant Swarm thing is, that's not the Annihilation Wave, or they go and create a new Celestial. Yeah. Tiamat, the Dreaming Celestial, is kind of just like the Watcher kind of a thing Mm -hmm. for them. And then there's like five Celestials that are like the Judges. Anyway, last time we checked out Eternals, we got to see like the end of that story and Tiamat has been swayed by human nature and it was very interesting. and. We get introduced to like basically this like no place where the consciousness of the Eternals go when they die before they get resurrected. Hmm. And it's represented as like this bar, and the barkeep is kind of the master of all this stuff. Interesting. And so Tiamat goes to that barkeep and is like, "Can you spare the spare the planet?" And he's like, "I'm going to grant you your wish on one condition. You tell me why." And he's like, "I don't know. I feel. I feel." Different, And he takes off his helmet and he becomes this being of light and yada, yada, yada. So okay. hopefully one day we see more Tiamat. I don't know. Whenever yeah. they do celestial stuff, we don't see them for so long again. Like yeah. this one with Tiamat, but then also that kid, the inhuman kid that could tell the future that the entire Civil War II storyline was oh, based right. on. I've been randomly thinking about him and I want him to come back. I want something involving him to come back. I want to see what they've done with him since then. He had a celestial connection? Well, he got taken by the celestials. They oh. were like, you've now, so your powers have got, this is how they like ended the Civil War. It was because it was all based around him, and then his powers had evolved so far that the celestials showed up, and they're like, you're no longer a human basically Mm. you're an inhuman but like your (laughs) your 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 purpose and your presence is no longer needed here it is beyond here and they took him and then civil war ended because he wasn't a player anymore okay so like that's a big deal you don't end a crossover and then never fucking (laughs) go come back so Uh we're only just now seeing addressing like uatu and uh nick fury from original sin right. so hopefully in the next couple of years get a little maybe <laughs> with this watcher war that they're, that they're teasing maybe we'll get a little bit of celestial stuff going on. i don't know yeah i'm, I'm so interested I'm, I'm okay i'm i'm very curious what to, that has nothing to do with the book that i just read okay <laughs> of <so>. course <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh point is that's where we're at we are now post tiamat there was this civil war going on between different factions of of Eternals. One seemed to be led by Druig. Druig is typically much more the of a villain, eternal bad guy. Yeah. He, every time I see him, I keep on wondering if if he was Rasputin in like canonically. <laughs> oh, interesting. Because he kind of looks like him, but mm. like with a shorter beard. Sure. And I've never looked it up. <laughs> I always think about it and I never go and check. Mm hmm. Yeah, so Drig
2: Which would typically make him is, related is to Colossus.
0: Really? Yeah.
2: I, and also Apocalypse. This? What? Yeah. Why do I
0: not know these things?
2: What okay. It was a what? really, really bad storyline. it's <laughs> there's a the mini called Colossus Bloodlines where it's revealed that uh, you know what? It's not worth it. It's so bad. Okay.
0: <laughs> but okay, but the 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 byline is that we find out that Klaus and Iliana are descendants of Rasputin. Yeah, that's crazy. And somehow Apocalypse is involved with this.
2: Uh, I, and also Chamber, really? Yeah, but he's British. I know it's it's all over the place. <laughs> it was their way to undepower Chamber after House of M. Got you. Oh, oh, so it's this isn't even like. A, a
0: wonky 80s 90s story. No, this is no, no. A little more modern. Yeah. It's bad. Did did they do this just because okay, we've had this conversation before, but like, did they do this just because he has the same last name as Rasputin? Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. So obnoxious. I hate, I hate this concept that Marvel just tries to live by that there's only one family of every last name. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> Oh, there's another there's a Moz Morales in six one six. Clearly, this is the the black Mexican counterpart uh, <laughs> uh, for, for uh, uh, to the ultimate ver- like it. Heaven for guarantee you there. I'm more. friends, dude. Okay, <laughs> I've spiraled. Okay, so <laughs> back in like two thousand six or seven, this girl named Katie Freeland on Facebook friended me. Mm-hmm. and i went to her page and she had this like random idea where she wanted to go and add all the freelands that she could find okay in 616 we'd all be family members she's white i have it's <laughs> 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 but we're still friends on facebook because neither of us bothered to remove ourselves uh-huh. and there's a there's an nba player whose last name is freeland or there was one i don't know sometime yeah. in the last 15 years but <laughs> but like there's no storyline where she and I and these other like 15 freelands that she's friends with on Facebook randomly are part of the same bloodline. Yeah. It just happens that there are multiple freelands in the world. <laughs> like Marvel <laughs> let this happen. <laughs> there could be two different Resputin name lines. <laughs> it's bad. It, it can happen.
2: It's very Ugh. very bad.
0: I mean, like, I get it because you have like a big name and you have a big name, so let's make these big names. Yeah, did somehow, like, but it's you, like, you're not going to introduce another banner and not have them
2: be related and to it the o- banners. And it only ever came about in the first place because they're like, let's try. What's what's a Russian last name? Shoot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's so dumb. It's it 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 legitimately
0: is like my. Second least favorite thing about six one six comics. <laughs> Number one being commercial success of the MCU. But <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's so not. They changed the colors of the Infinity Stones to match the MCU colors. It's so
2: unnecessary. It's so You're unnecessary. you are just gonna be on your island there, but yeah.
0: It's so like it do, like ah, uh, that's unnecessary. <laughs> introducing black fury and shoehorning in this side story that it's his illegitimate, We've been down illegitimate this road bastard child mm-hmm. i know it's his bastard son <laughs> from a war like other shield black lady and then and then taskmaster cutting his eye out so he can look like his dear old dad and then at the same time introducing his friend cheese whose real name is philip colson and then Once you establish this background, you never have them interact again because they're two very different characters in the MCU. Like, uh, yeah, at least they didn't—they didn't make Nick Fury senior like blackface. I'm, one sure, time.
2: I'm sure they debated it.
0: <laughs> well, so there's one time in Ultimate Marvel where Black Nick Fury comes from, mm-hmm. conceptually, where he met up with like Spider-Man or somebody in with a hologram on. And it mm-hmm. was it was White Fury's look. And <laughs> and they like called him out. They're Like, why? Why even do the eye patch also? It's like, <laughs> I don't know the 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 guy the guys at R and D decided that they wanted to keep the eye patch and I was like all right come oh, on like that was it's it's like it's glib it's kind of funny yeah but it's a throwaway joke that lasted a page yeah, you yeah. introduced introduce it's, it's whatever it's it's not it's fine it's fine
2: it's clearly it's not, not fine but, but it's fine let's 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 move forward with our lives let's
0: good let's can we talk about Eternals please let's talk about Eternals <laughs> finally okay, so. It's very convoluted. It's weird because I like Kieran Gillen's books. I like mm-hmm. when he writes. But yeah. this was a really weird story. To, like, the way he told this story was very different. The narrator is the Earth. Okay. I'm sorry. The narrator is the machine, which is the Earth. Think like Holy Trinity type shit. Okay. it Like, it breaks the fourth wall, it talks to you directly, but mm-hmm. it also interacts with the Eternals. And it's talking very like non-computery and it doesn't know why. Like anytime it says something, anytime it says I don't know, or mm-hmm. it says something weird or colloquial, it it'll like have
2: another box of like, why did I say that? Every time I <laughs> every time I read a, a Kieran Gillen comic, I get the impression that Kieran Gillen had a lot of fun writing this comic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is kind of funny because Because he's commandeered the text boxes, when he does one reference to a past book, Uh it it does the asterisk. Uh And then it has the text box like, I feel really compelled to tell you that this happened in (laughs) Avengers number 46 for some reason. Uh, Maybe it means more to you. I don't know. (laughs) Then it moves on. You're like, "Eh, eh, eh." (laughs) So anyway, point is, the kind of things that Kieran is, that Gillen establishes with this book are the names of all hundred Eternals, which is <laughs> kind of cool. because I've never known those. Uh huh. Not that I felt I ever needed to, but oh, sure. introduces the, flavor text. Yeah, all of the different like factions that the Eternals have broken out into. Mm. Oh, cool! And so the main ones being Olympia and Polaria, and then there's this place cool. called the Exclusion, which is where like all of their Shunned, Eternals go, and so Sprite is there right now hmm. because of what Sprite did in Gaiman's run. And then there's like the Oceanic Watch, the Celestial Priests, Titanos Hermits, the Lemurian Mission, Gaian Sisters, Tricks, the Forgotten, the Hex, Damocles Foundation, and location unknown. There are three. Here's what bothers me though: okay. is there's 101 names here.
2: Yeah, there's only 100 Eternals. <laughs> Wow, you went and you, you went into it. I counted.
0: I mean, honestly, though, like it starts, the intro here says a long, long time ago, alien space gods came to Earth. They made 100 Eternals. They made 100 Deviants. They left. And then it has the little emoji for shrug. And then, <laughs> 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 and then it, lists, it lists all the names. I feel like in, if it's going to be in the same page, you should count. But Maybe whatever.
2: one of these Eternals was They're not created, was not created by the uh, Celestials, but had a, right. a different there's origin. Right, there's also that.
0: There's also that. So, one thing that stood out to me... Okay, so, as far as the plot goes, Zuras sends Icarus to the exclusion to go and free Sprite, to bring Sprite back into, like, the main fold, I guess. Sure. And because of the bullshit that Sprite did in Gaiman's run... Sprite has been reset to a further... Age? Backlog. Oh. Like an older save file. (laughs) So Sprite has no idea what she did. Oh, okay. For people who don't know or remember or didn't bother to read the book, because why would you? Sprite wiped the memories of all of the Eternals Mm -hmm. because she was upset that she was stuck in a child's body, basically. And so Gaiman's run is the Eternals, some of them remembering and going around and waking the others up. Yeah. And trying to figure out what the hell happened. I lost all these years. When you are when you live forever, it's not <laughs> that big a deal to me. But yeah. it also kind of explains the lack of involvement of Eternals from like old age, from when they represented the Greek gods to present day. And turns out it's because Sprite was being bad. And so Sprite comes out and doesn't remember all this. And she's like, "Well, that's kind of weird." <laughs> and then Icarus told her what she did. She's like, "Okay, but this kind of comes back to like what we've talked about multiple times with the X Men of just like living the experience and being told about the experience of two yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, her personality, in this is very much like Child Loki." Okay. just just So, Kieran Gillen gets
2: another child Loki to to play with.
0: Yeah, basically. Okay. Just going along with Thor slash Icarus, cracking (laughs) jokes, having complete faith in Icarus, and just kind of going around. Okay. In the exclusion, Thanos shows up. And that is interesting because Thanos has been dead, and we don't know how Uh or when he's going to come back. Right. So... This might be that Thanos. It could be an illusion. We don't really know. But he shows up and, and fights Icarus. Sprite does an illusion to get Icarus away. Mm. And then we get more backstory stuff of okay. like establishing timeline-type uh, table of contents, spark notes of past Eternal stuff. And this one specifically talks about where Thanos comes from and how Thanos came about basically his parents were exiled from earth and we've talked about this so i don't need to go into too much but basically they were experimenting with creating kind of new eternals mm-hmm. and like and so they're referred they're called the titans and so they're like um, trying to scientifically engineer new and basically eternal beings Okay. The experiment was a, was a success. Thanos is naturally born from Mentor and from Suisan. His mom's mm-hmm. name is Suisan, and Alars, now known as Mentor, is yeah. his dad. The Titans do, are not part of the Great Machine, mm-hmm. which is like the whole like rebirth cycle thing. But okay. they're 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 basically eternals in every other way in terms of like longevity, powers set. Yada, mm-hmm. yada. they're just not part of the machine now you can go and add them to the machine but this is mm. happening you know off planet where the machine is on earth okay all of the eternal places this is this is why like eternal shit <laughs> is its own fucking thing because it's its own world yeah so the place called titanos which is one of the like eternal cities mm-hmm. its location <laughs> is superimposed between three seconds from now and two seconds ago. It's in its own like null space, basically. Okay, okay. And like, it's cool. Yeah. B- but it's just like, it's it's not connected. <laughs> so it's like, I, it, like there's no reason why it needs to be, you know, mixed in with 616. Sure. The exclusion is sealed between six artificial molecules secreted beneath the South Pole. <laughs> Right? Okay. (laughs) So like Pim tech shit before Pim discovered Pim particles. (laughs) Yeah. Or created PIM particles. There's another like map thing. It's a it's a it's a map of the world to give you an idea of the machine and where everything is. Titanos Mm -hmm. is basically in Canada, Alaska. is in the Pacific. Celestia is in in Chile. The exclusion's in the South Pole. Polaria looks like it's in. Siberia, and then Olympia is where Mount Olympus would be, Mm -hmm. because as we've talked about on the side, the Eternals were mistaken for Greek gods, Mm -hmm. and and yeah, they had Olympia. They got permission from the gods from from the Greek Pantheon to (laughs) be like their representation on Earth. It's kind of (laughs) cool. It is pretty cool. (laughs) But anyway, point is, we're establishing all this other stuff, and then Icarus is gets like. Icarus becomes aware of this kid, Troy Robson, and something is going to show up to kill him. And it is Icarus's duty to make sure he doesn't die. We don't know what it is. It's going to happen at some point, potentially. It's going to get attacked. He's made up for this story. He's not like a named character right now. Thena is living on Lemuria with a deviant that she's decided to fall in love with. Hmm. Lemuria, from my memory, Lemuria has been a offshoot of Atlantis and it, it Atlantean
2: does have deviant. It does have deviant origin. I think it's like deviant Atlantis or something.
0: Yeah. So in this book, Lemuria is definitely a deviant city. And so okay. that's the thing. Anyway, Zurus is killed by, by a strong hand. We don't know. And so the Eternals are trying to figure out. You know, where this, who killed them, yada, yada, yada. Something Mm -hmm. is wrong with the machine. And so rebirths are taking longer and Mm. the machine Earth is equally confused, doesn't know what's going on with it. And then Druig, who is part of Polaria, gets to Polaria and sees that literally everyone is dead. Oh. And which makes Druig the supreme leader of Polaria. With the like four people that are left. And so now the Eternals are expecting Druig, are suspecting Druig. Because this seems like his kind of a schemey thing to become the top man of Polaria, blah, blah, As the issues go on, I'm getting more and more into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first like two issues were just so strange. But I think after I reworked my mind to just read A Kieran Gillen book. Yeah, it it starts flowing and like there's twists here, twists there. Gilgamesh gets involved because they they're like, if it was Druig, he's always teamed up with Gilgamesh. Uh Druig doesn't have hands strong enough to to break Zurus. I bet it's Gilgamesh. Mm, So okay, and so they go and confront Gilgamesh, and Gilgamesh is like. Yeah, I have fucked with the machine before, but this wasn't me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so basically, there's this like eternal. It's the second rule of the Eternals that if they actively try to break the machine, they get this like nasty headache. Mm. And by Gilgamesh talking about it, he isn't showing any signs of headache. And so they start to believe him. There's another kind of a cool breakdown of the mindscape of an eternal. Like someone, Kieran Gillen has been spending a lot of time (laughs) hanging out with Hickman. (laughs) Basically, we have the eternal consciousness model and it's broken down into seven parts. You've got (laughs) surface consciousness, difficulty to telepathic intrusion is two out of 10. You have your subconscious, personal memory, core identity, cultural memory, backed up memory, and classified. Subconscious conscious and personal memory is kind of obvious. Core identity is what is like downloaded as your purpose of being an eternal. Mm -hmm. Cultural memory is everything that has to do with eternal citizenry and all that other, and your purpose and all that other kind of shit. Yeah. Backed up memory is whatever is like the set of memories from your last backup. Kind of like what Xavier would download into you um, from your last check-in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then whatever classified is. And what's funny is classified telepathic intrusion difficulty is 10 out of 10, but core identity difficulty is infinity out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Cultural memory is a nine. Backed up memory is a seven. Personal memory is a five. And that's what Druig hits on the revealed Eternal, who is the um, actual traitor. And then at the bottom, because it's Kieran Gillen and it's... (laughs) something is wonky with the planet it says at the very bottom the caption says TLDR eternal core identity is hardware. Eternal memories are software. Sure. <laughs> okay. But we come to find out when dealing with Thanos that the traitor was fastos huh. fast. So I would have to go back and check, but apparently when we start this, everyone has died. The machi- and I don't remember if they died in that last book or not. That's why mm-hmm. I'm like, not, I'm not sure. But when we start the book, Icarus is the last one to be revived. And so Icarus is getting updated on everything. Fastos was the first one to be brought back. And he had time to think about the whole purpose of Eternals. And he was learning, he learned something about the rebirth process that he's not huge on. And basically, the idea is they wanted to. Or he wanted to break the machine to make death a little more permanent for the Eternals. <laughs> so they would live lives more fulfilling. I don't know. It okay. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sure. But he was very driven in this. Mm-hmm. And he actually, as soon as he got brought back, he saw Thanos dying. So Interesting. When, so Thanos is pulled into a black hole and he... And that black hole is the same black
2: hole that Silver Surfer Black went through to become black. Oh, okay. <laughs> His black <face. laughs> And as Silver Surfer Blackface, I don't think that title would sell very well.
0: <laughs> as Thanos is getting ripped apart in the black hole and traveling across time, Thasos reaches out and pulls him in mm. and kind of rebuilds him with like artificial organs and stuff. And he basically tells. Thanos, he's like, hey, this is what we're going to do. If you betray me, I will turn you back off. And (laughs) you're going to be basically like my own man on the inside throwing the Eternals off. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So all this gets revealed. They turn on Fastos. Icarus died saving the machine because the machine was overloading. Fastos was convinced that by breaking the regeneration matrix thing, the Earth would not die, only the way of Eternals resurrecting would die. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't realize that they are one in the same. Okay. And so, in order to save the planet, Icarus goes in and does the Icarus thing. sure. Sacrifices himself, saves the planet, and then we find out that in the revival process, in order, it's easy enough to make a new Eternal, but to give it life, you have to take a life. Hmm. And so robson troy robson dies because of the planet in order to give icarus his life Mm. and fastos learned that when he first got revived and he was like this like the eternal purpose is to save humans right so why like all these all these times that they have died and then gilgamesh loses it because gilgamesh <laughs> has killed plenty of eternals uh-huh. because in his mind you know human life is precious but eternal life is expendable right and so you have this like revelation now that every time an eternal has been reborn somebody yeah. has died yeah and so that was the big reveal there okay fascist is like okay you know i admit defeat i lost let me get rid of Thanos. And it turns out that Druig, when he invaded Fastos' mind, he removed the memory of how to stop Thanos. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. And so now you have Druig-Thanos team up. <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> next volume is literally called Thanos Rises. So... Sick, the, using fun. the so this is interesting. Yeah, using the Eternals to to explore how we bring Thanos back mm-hmm. is not a route I ever considered, even though I know that Thanos' big picture is connected to Eternals, he's got the right. deviant gene, yeah, like he, his it's parents that, were that, Eternals, right. like that's a thing, yeah, but for whatever reason using the Eternals to write the story never crossed my mind. <laughs> and yeah, so it was just it was just all across the board. It became really fun.
2: Cool. That's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: So, we have basically Fasos being the big betrayer. We have Jurig mm-hmm. and Thanos teamed up. Thanos is still kind of artificial. We'll see what ha- will they do with that. And we've now established that when Eternals get brought back somebody a human dies even though they are tasked with protecting humankind. Right. So Hopefully they have more of a fear of death because they don't want to hurt humans. I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Oh, cool. I should say it also ends. So that's the end credit title is Thanos Rising. But Thena, Thena takes Fastos, Kingo, Cersei, Sprite, and Icarus to Lemuria. Yeah. And the Deviant Guard out there is like, holy shit, holy shit, Eternals are here. Eternals are here. He's like, no, 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 no we're not here. We come in peace to the changing people. We would join you. Help us be the changing people too. So the eternal, the the main, the prime eternals that we know of. Yeah. Now have this new mission of like, we need to change how we go about being eternals. Interesting. And deviance one can reproduce way more than eternals, and they also are shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of like their thing. They're monsters, and they can shapeshift. By the way, the scrolls—the
2: scrolls that we know—are the deviants. Are deviants of... on on scrolls or whatever? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is that's, so cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring that wrinkle into the MCU. The, I it's hope probably so. Probably such an edge oh, case. Oh, into the MCU? But... Ooh, I don't
0: know. I don't know. Oof. Only because. <laughs> They've made the deviants on Earth so monstrous mm-hmm. and not speaking, with the exception of the one that apparently has a name that they killed because it, <laughs> yeah. after it ate three Eternals. Right. I don't think they're going to go that route. Yeah. But they
1: could have. Mm-hmm. I think,
0: and that's not necessarily Chloe's fault for mm-hmm. not knowing because that's ver- that's kind of an edge yeah. case. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, and this is but that would have been really cool. Yeah, that would have been really cool last book Amazing Spider-Man volume 13 King's Ransom so threats and menaces the web, the news website kind of like buzzfeed i guess okay. it's run by Nora Winters who we got introduced to in uh, when they did the big reset she she worked at the bugle for bits um got fired for whatever reason Generally, pretty good reporter. She now owns and created Threats and Menaces. She hires J. Jonah Jameson because he's a big name. Jonah being, the, you know, the owner of the Daily Bugle at one point, and then
2: right. also he was the mayor of New York City for a little bit. Yeah, real cursed, cursed job there. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Just like in real life. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he now works as a face slash voice of Threats and Menaces, and because he knows. Who Peter Parker and Spider-Man are Mm. He is a giant advocate for Spider-Man these days And so he is trying to be Pete's man in the chair (laughs) Interesting From time to time You know, he gets in the way more than anything But like like Jonah is the reason why Green Goblin figured out Who Peter Parker is And shit like that So Okay You know He means well, but he's terrible at it Yeah Point is their partnership with Spider-Man ends up creating this suit that they give him. And it's, it's made out of unstable molecules, which is wild that they have access <laughs> to this. And it has an intercom system. And it has basically a live feed, live camera feed. And it also enhances his abilities. Like, it makes him stronger and faster for whatever reason. Other than the look, which I'm not huge on. Because it's, it's white and blue for people who don't have no... Aren't in this Zoom with me and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh spider logo and the eyes are like glowing, glow like orange yellow, yeah. which is just a weird color scheme for, for Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. But like I'm not one to complain because my favorite spider suit is the future foundation suit and it's black and white. You're and right. then my second favorite is the stealth suit, which is black with glowing green. So like sure, he does other colors. <laughs> it just it's it's just <laughs> Gaudy. It's it it it. Yeah, I don't like the look of it. Yeah, but whatever. The thing that bothers. So, do you know the automatopoeia for web for the webs? Thwep. Yes, on. it is. When he's using this suit, it's it's sometimes it's thwep with an e, and sometimes it's thweep with two e's.
2: <laughs> because <laughs> Let's go whatever, thwep, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> because whatever, like. Gauntlet or whatever they're using Makes a different noise Than Mm. his normal web shooters And like I like it conceptually Because it's not Peter made But at the same time It's really weird to see (laughs) Like This kind of I feel like this is the first time I've ever seen Not Thwip With Web shoots Web shooting But Whatever Anyway Point is The live feed That the Suit has lets people live stream Spider-Man's fights. And so like, it's just booming for threats and menaces. They're <laughs> doing a great job pulling in viewers, pulling in activity, yada, yada, yada. The three kind of storylines that are happening here is, well, two of them are intertwined, but we had that one volume where we're hanging out with Boomerang, who, okay. Pete lives in an apartment with Randy. Yeah, Randy Robertson, who is Robbie Robertson's son. Mm -hmm. Robbie Robertson is the black editor in chief guy who works at the Bugle. He now runs the Bugle because
2: Jonah's not there. Ever been in any one of the Spider-Man movies? I don't think so.
1: They've done Gloria.
2: Yeah, they've done Glory, they've done
0: Betty, but I don't think they've done Robbie.
2: You know, he's one of the hundred most published Marvel characters. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Huh. Right?
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. So his son, <laughs> Randy, is Pete's roommate. Mm-hmm. And he's a social worker. He's worked at Feast. He, he wants to, like, you know, be a, a little black Aunt May, basically. So their third roommate is Fred Myers, who is the boomerang. His identity is publicly known. And so Pete and Randy just kind of have to deal with it. He, sure. does, he doesn't miss Rent. Because he goes and steals the money, but, you know, <laughs> okay. whatever. So, um, but neither of them know that Pete is Spider-Man. But anyway, we sure. had that whole team up. They also, they know that Pete is in contact with Spider-Man, but no one ever puts the two together. Because like Spider-Man was, you know, Pete's bodyguard when he was the head of Parker Industries, because why not be Tony Stark and so on and so forth. So like, it's publicly known that Peter Parker is a contact to Spider-Man's. And so Boomerang has Peak in contact with Spider-Man to help him track down these pieces of the tablet of life and liberty. And Boomerang has the memories of this place, of the locations, because they're like magically implanted in his head by this like curator guy. And then you have Gog, who is the now their pet. And Gog is the like guardian of the tablet, a bunch of random sh- stuff, but you know, that's it's comics so we have the conclusion of that we're getting like the last piece in this volume last piece of the tablet Sure, sure kingpin wants the tablet because he wants to theoretically he wants to bring vanessa back because that's kingpin's thing secret plan all the time yeah but his plans were kind of diverted because we have geez what is what is his name now Kindred. We have Kindred. We have Harry, Harry oh, Osborne yeah. as Kindred, who has power over life and death. Yep. And so Kingpin allows Norman to keep Kindred at Ravencroft on the proviso that mm-hmm. he can get Kindred to resurrect Vanessa for him. Okay. The other storyline, which is the kind of the main meat of this volume, is that Randy is currently dating Janice... Janice Lincoln, who is Tombstone's daughter. Okay. Uh, Lonnie Lincoln. So uh, we got introduced to the. Uh, she's also the new. She's the current Beatle. Okay. And we've been introduced to her for a bit. She got introduced, yeah. I think, in *Superior Foes*. In *Superior
2: Foes*. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: Basically, Tombstone and Robbie both find out that their kid, our kids, are dating. Tombstone and Robbie have a history of just hate towards each other. The last time they saw each other, Robbie took a pitchfork to (laughs) Tombstone's chest. Like they (laughs) hate each other, but their kids are now dating. And so you get kind of random little like scenes like that. Kingpin gathers all of the crime Lords and is like, any of you that can bring me the tablet will get a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. Find me the tablet. I got you. And so basically they're like okay, Boomerang is, has been in the way. Let's get let's take out Boomerang. We can't get Boomerang right now, so let's take out his his roommate to get him to like come out because he's sure. on this like hero kick lately. The kidnap kidnap randy who is currently hanging out with janice and so tombstone gets conflicted and robbie and tombstone have to have a little team up to go and rescue janice and and randy and then spider-man shows up robbie reaches out to spider-man to let him know where they're going and then mm-hmm. tombstone reaches out to the syndicate which is Beatles all-female team of supervillains. You have like a three, three-way battle between everyone kicking each other's asses. Sure. It's all well and good. So <laughs> that kind of ends with Tombstone and Robbie being like, you know what? Love is love. If you guys want to be together, you can be together. Cool. Meanwhile, Kingpin has brought in Baron Mordo to kind of like torture and force Kindred to do his bidding. Kindred is stuck in this, like, dark force, like, cage Hmm. that we talked about last time. Uh, So he can speak, he can hear, but he's locked in this, like, cage. Mordo's torture is getting Kindred to actually react to shit. So, you Mm -hmm. know, progress is being made. Basically, the whole point of this is to get Kindred to start speaking to Norman now, and Kindred is basically like... Norman, I understand that you want to help me, but like why out of all the times in the past I've asked you for help, why is this time going to be any different? Mm -hmm. So I have zero desire (laughs) to help you out. And Norman's like, no, but it basically, it gets kindred speaking again. The pieces of the tablet are heading towards the other pieces of the tablet because Kingpin has some and Pete and Boomerang have the others and Pete calls in some of the other street-level heroes to help him out with all this ridiculousness going on. He calls in Spider-Woman, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Hawkeye, and Wolverine, randomly. (laughs) (laughs) And to help protect Boomerang. Everyone hates him, and then... This is just a fun conversation between Hawkeye and them. He's like, Yeah, I mean, as much as I love a new Avengers reunion, or is it a Defenders reunion? And Logan's like, Can't be Defenders. I never did that. And Hawkeye's <laughs> like, Yeah, you did. And Wolverine's <laughs> like, Wait, ah, hell, you're right. <laughs> it's
1: just like,
0: <laughs> This centuries old man has been on every fucking team. <laughs> but anyway, there's like, Fine, you know, we'll help you out because you know, we're good guys. However, comma, like, it's a two-way street, buddy. So I kind of give Spider-Man shit for never showing up for any of their shit. Hey.
2: Because
0: <laughs> it's true. And then, oh, God. Okay, so Spider-Man's like, guys, come on. You don't actually believe that whole PR campaign. Does that even sound like me? Because Fisk used Spider-Man uh, for his, like, running platform. Right. And they're like, come on, man. Like, you're in bed with Fisk. <laughs> and then he's like, come on. And then, And then they just go, well, that depends on how you define you. (laughs) Yeah, you got, maybe you got your brain swapped with Doc Ock. Or maybe you got corrupted by an alien symbiote. Oh, Uh I got one. Maybe Uh Craven the Hunter stole your costume. (laughs) 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 And then there's like sensing a theme here. Yeah, it's always something with you as the theme. Yeah, and maybe people wouldn't be so quick to believe the worst about you if you ever replied to an email. (laughs) And is like, or, you know, came to one of the reunion dinners. Wait, there have been reunion dinners? It was in the email.
2: <laughs> and it's just like, dude, come on. Anyway. Okay. So- okay. One quibble here. One yeah. quibble. I'm fairly convinced Hawkeye doesn't know how to use email. You know,
0: I believe you. And I, I feel like there's somebody that, like, texts him and just like, reunions tonight.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's definitely a two-finger typer. He, no. He, no, no, no. Here's the thing. He has he has an AOL email address.
0: <laughs> yeah. So as soon as those servers go down, it's
2: and, and he's just like <laughs> he's just like never. He, he doesn't care. You know, he's got like a circuit like 2001 gateway computer with the cow logo, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> and he's like, why would I need to change? This suits me just fine. Exactly. It's it all of works. you who are wrong. Yeah.
0: Oh my God, dude. So isn't it fun to quibble about inconsistencies of characters? Oh, no. Steven, fuck off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. See, but now you see it. Now you see it. Anyway, and so all the Avengers that show up come to help fight all the crime lords who are there trying to get Boomerang. It ends with a double cross from Boomerang who is still on his Anyway, there's a general theme of, like, Boomerang's been doing good, and he's having fun being a hero. He's been inspired by both Pete and Spider-Man and Randy and, you know, being Gog's owner and shit like that. But he's not quite there yet. So he's still going down that path. Regardless, it ends with Boomerang hiring Shocker, some fast guy. It's not Wizard, because that's a Cap, a hero. Mm -hmm. And Hydro-Man fighting... Spider Man and Boomerang, and then they get away. And turns out that Boomerang was working with them the whole time, yada, yada, double cross this, double cross that. And this entire run, Boomerang's been doing a semi side job for Fisk. The original job went awry, which is why Fisk has been pissed at Boomerang this whole time. But Mm -hmm. Boomerang is still showing up and bringing all the tablets to Fisk at the end of the day.
1: Okay, sure.
0: So the Kindred run for Fisk doesn't work, and Fisk uses the tablet. He was going to use it to resurrect Vanessa, and what's thrown him off is he's remembering back to when he first went to Kindred to ask him to do it. Mm -hmm. Kindred says no And he says I was angry Refusing to accept it But it was what The demon said next That changed everything And in the memory You see that Kindred said What makes you think She even wants To come back to you Mm. And Mm. That's been bugging him So instead He's thinking about He's like you died of a broken heart because of something you did out of loyalty and love for me, something no mother should ever have to do. And she shot their son. Oh, back in Daredevil volume 2 number 31. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he's using the tablets to bring their son back now. Interesting. And he's no he's he's the Rose or something. I don't know his name entirely, <laughs> but So it shows up with Hello, Daddy. But I think this is the same person that Mike Murdoch was meeting with. Okay. Remember this? Oh in that that one annual of we've established that Mike Murdoch is now a thing created by the Nornstones. Right. And he's meeting right. up with the son of Kingpin. And I didn't yeah. know who that was. Okay. I think that's this one, but the timing is a little off unless my collection has been completely off, which totally makes sense. Sure. Because I have I've been bad at collecting the last like three years. So but we're back on track now. Point is I think this is the same person. It also ends with Pete giving up the suit. Thank God it just took six issues. <laughs> so he's back on back on his red and blue. Oh God. The last idea that Jameson had that blew up in his face with threats and menaces is instead of just watching the POV of Spider-Man, he's letting people go out and control these new threats and menaces spider slayers. And <laughs> the masses being the masses. Uh, they're also... Like strictly non-lethal, so think like rescue sure. but remote. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But people being people, they started fighting each other. There's no, they're they're like running over like hot dog carts and stuff. Is it, it blew up in his face immediately?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But point is, it helped Pete kind of think of like, you know what? Like I'm kind of selling out here, so I'm gonna let go of the suit. I need to. I need to do me. I need to be Spider-Man. Yeah. So suit's gone. The rose is back. The last thing we see is. I supposedly resurrected Doctor Octopus, hmm. which is going to be very interesting. And and okay. he take it's like its tentacles. He tears up a he you know unearths a a coffin. It's an unmarked grave. Well, we don't see the name on the grave. It's always covered, but it's empty. And so you have a confused octopus. Being, it, I, we might have to assume that it's it was his grave. Yeah, because he's very confused. He doesn't know what's going on. And then a little caterpillar talks to him and and makes him pass out. And that's it. So, or millipede or whatever. So we have a resurrected kind of Doc Ock, but we still have the (laughs) enhanced clone of Peter Parker with the mind of Otto Octavius in San Francisco. It's either San Francisco or L.A. He's in California. Okay. And he is the superior Spider-Man still. Mm. I think he's going by superior octopus now. Okay. I know, it doesn't matter. But he's being being the same superior Spider-Man that we've known. Yeah. He's just, I think it's superior octopus because he's got the Spider-Man suit, but instead of a spider, it's an octopus. (laughs) And it's silver and black motif instead of the red and blue. Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that'll be interesting because yeah. there's no way that we're not going to get a meeting of the two. No kidding. But this is your classic Doc Ock overweight, green jumpsuit, yeah. yellow belt and boots. I'm kind <laughs> of excited to have him back. not going to lie. I like the new Doc Ock because this whole Diaz-Cast thing is just hilarious. But We'll see, it. we'll see where this goes yeah and then yeah so wolverine black white and blood it's interesting i've only read an issue and a half so far it's only four issues but we'll go over that next week
1: well mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: so that's what i read eternals was super interesting yeah maestro i'm not really sold on <laughs> and <laughs> and amazing spider-man has been uh, uh wild uh, it was the ball was just still moving
2: yeah Nothing
0: yeah. major happened.
2: Yeah. But, with uh, wrapping I'm up the, still, the, the giant kindred story. That's, that's a, that's a huge to be expected. Yeah. A huge one to kind of got to shift gears a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm honestly a little surprised that it's still Spencer, but I think because there's still a kindred arc, we're, we're going to stick with him until that part ends.
2: It seems like they're really committing to long runs on amazing Spider-Man. like, yeah you know dan slot had it forever Straczynski dan had run, it forever
0: he's run spencer's run all of them yeah. great but like you kind of they gotta be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're gonna go on for that long
2: totally yeah they're very very choosy when they choose somebody and and it seems like the one title that they'll actually commit to a creative team on <laughs> yeah that's true
0: for sure
2: should we talk about some some 90s X-Men comics? Let's do some
0: 90s X-Comics, man.
2: All right. I'm going to try and speed through these a little bit so we can get to Hawkeye. So starting off with Excalibur here. Again, I'm going to take be taking some time to, do, to, to catch us up on the post Operation Zero Tolerance yes. status quo for a bunch of these. Because it's been a while since I talked about these and a lot is changing just right now. Mm. So in Excalibur, right, the the general idea of the book, they actually sat operation zero tolerance out cuz that was an America thing. <laughs> they're like well, we're in Britain, so can't yeah, really Brit- do, yeah. do much about this. They're based on Muir Island. They're in Warren Ellis's run, they were they had this kind of like mission statement as a science and research team supporting Moira on Muir Island in her research. Since then, they haven't had much of a direction at all. They're just kind of like X-Men, but over there. (laughs) And Moira got the legacy virus. So in the last episode, I was talking about her going to Massachusetts to the Gen X Academy and having a picnic with Sean. And, you know, he's like trying to convince her, oh, you need to get out more. You need to like, you know. I know that like your work is serious, but you've got to, you know, you got to take some time for yourself. You've got to focus on your own health and not just in terms of research, but in terms of happiness, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you're right. This was a really good day. She goes back to Muir Island and immediately goes to lock herself in solitary quarantine to focus on research.
0: <laughs> okay. That's just kind of her thing. Yep. That's literally what she's doing now. Yep. She has a whole... Like her room is now named after her,
2: right? And Sean's like, but but, but what? We just we just talked about this, and, <laughs> and so he he goes across the the ocean as well to try and talk her out of it, but she he, but he can't, and he he finally sort of accepts her decision. But Rain can't because you know her surrogate slash adopted daughter, or not surrogate, but adopted daughter. And was raised uh, significantly by her. And so she slips into quarantine with Moira, which is drama, drama, because she just made out with Doug Locke and Doug Locke has feelings in a hard way for her. And so do you think that is that is that a natural like pairing? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of weird things with Doug Locke in general. You know, Mm. I don't hate it as a pairing. I see rain. As very much like, you have those like really sheltered friends who, you know, they, they grow up and they get to go out into the world and they're just like really excited by the possibility of other people and Mm. like feelings get hurt and messy. And it's, it just kind of like a consequence of them having never really had to deal with, you know, like being able to interact with people is so new and fresh and exciting to them that they kind of just bounce around a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I follow
2: that. So, anyway, Doug Locke's having feelings, but it spends very little time on that. (laughs) Kurt's been like missing for like five issues, and no one really was doing anything about it until finally. Pete Wisdom is like looking, doing like a cerebro search, even though he's not a telepath and it's hurting his head and he gives up and then he leaves it open. Okay. And then Megan, find, he, he, he gives it up, it's open and it finds him. And he's like, this is pointless. And then Megan stumbles across it and she's like, Hey, you're, it's just the dumb, you know, like we have to delay this even longer. <laughs> and so eventually they finally bother to close the plot loop. He's abducted by black air and then turned over to some Sidri. If you remember, yeah, the, uh, the,
0: uh, the, the alien the ones race that are hanging inhabiting out in the, the, they're the, where they're bounty hunters,
2: the Westchester Academy, the alien that bounty are hanging hunter, out at yeah.
0: the at the mansion now.
2: Yeah. During the house of, or the Krakoa timeline. Yes. Yes. But these are mutated Sidri and there's this whole weird back, you know, like retcon backstory of when we first were introduced to the Sidri during the brood saga back in the eighties, the, x-men decided to save them but then did some shit where they like mutated them so that they could be be individuals and not be like stuck you know like subjected to the group mind and have you know personal freedom autonomy blah 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 and these sidri are apparently those they've kind of come under the custody of black air, but then also kind of, like, earn their freedom in a weird way. And they hold a grudge against the X-Men because they miss being part of the group mind. They feel disconnected and shunned from the rest of their species. So they plan to kill Kurt and then the rest of the team. And they, like, look really different, too. They've got, like, arms and legs and faces. And it's just, like, Ah. they look nothing like the little black shield things, Mm -hmm. like Manta Ray, whatever's. Which is kind of annoying. Like, I think the coolest thing about this injury is how they look. But anyway, the rest of the team, Doug Locke, Wisdom, Megan, and Colossus. Kitty's not there because she's out <laughs> doing a 9-11 with the Helicarrier. <laughs> Remember the... Right, Agent yes. Of, okay. Yeah, Kitty yep. Pryde, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. miniseries. Yep. Yeah. And Reigns and the Moira quarantine. So, yeah, Doug Locke, Wisdom, Megan, Colossus, and Pete Wisdom fight it to a standstill. And then they, the Sidri, because I guess they're techno-organic, they heal their mutation using Doug Locke's phalanx, T.O. <laughs> I have a note here. Why would anything bad happen from that? No, sir.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so in doing so, they take away Doug's hive mind capabilities from the phalanx. So now he's, quote, more than ever an individual. And then... The storyline, the, the arc ends with a close-up on one of, kid, uh, Kitty coming home, and a close-up on one of her Banff stuffed toys, and it's got mm. this evil grin. It's Whoa. like, are we okay? Are you sure? That's okay. It's very right. strange. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. It, the, you know, that was just like your little teaser for the next thing. So put a pin right. in that.
0: Yeah, seriously. Ugh. Dude, the BAMFs are cool too. Yeah. I mean, a, my frame of reference for BAMFs are very different mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from from the BAMF, a BAMF plushie. But yeah. like,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, it started it uh, BAMF started as a bedtime story that Kitty told to Iliana. Huh. The whole issue was just this story of her as like a pirate queen or whatever, and the BAMFs were a little Maybe it wasn't pirate. Maybe it was fairy tale. Whatever. Banffs were in there as like a, you know, it, everyone has their fairy tale version. Wolverine is this grotesque creature and blah, 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 blah. And yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then and then they were popular with the readers. So they just kept finding ways to put them into <laughs> 616 in different ways. Yeah, I think this is going to be the first instance of a Banff as an actual Banff and not like a fictional thing mm-hmm. within MC uh, within 616. Anyway, let's move along to the X-Men grab bag. Mm. And so there's an issue of X-Men Unlimited, which is all side stories. And the first story is follows Gambit as he's staggering through the Antarctic and he's having this hallucination that he's hunting down Sinister in San Francisco and he has a run-in with Hydro Man instead. And his memories of the X-Men help him, like, through the fight. And it feels like they've rubbed off on him and that there's something heroic in him now that there wasn't there before his time with the X-Men. All right. But he's still, you know, because they found out that he worked for Sinister, assembling mm-hmm. the Marauder team in the big trial for just very, massacre. very recently. Yeah, for the Mutant ah. Massacre. And so hes they just left him in Antarctica to die. So <laughs> that's where he's at. All right. And then the the other story for that is Mero, who recently joined the team in Operation Zero Tolerance. Callisto was the one who urged her to join after she was wounded during OZT. And Mero ducks down into the Morlock Tunnels to to care after Callisto. But some sanitation workers are wandering through and she's Worried that, you know, they might find Callisto and then bad things will happen. And so Mero wants to kill them. And Callisto says, no, don't do that. And so she scares them off nonviolently. I also have a note here. In case we forget, Mero was a full-on terrorist, like bomb strapped to her heart, like ready to blow up, you know, giant crowds of humans, et cetera, et cetera. And it took Storm literally pulling out her heart to stop her. But uh, she's a mutant. She has a second heart. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Marrow's. I like Marrow. I like, like Marrow too. I like her character. Yeah. I like her design. I like her power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she's just fun. I, I, didn't, I think so too. I don't. I didn't remember the whole terrorist thing, but you know, whatever. Like yeah. everyone's got a checkered past.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a. It's it it. Hey, just the lo- The 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 bigger the redemption arc is, the more more satisfying it is, right? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe it's a pink hair thing because I really like Blink too. <laughs> well, Blink's just awesome. Blink's one of my favorites. Yeah, Blink is great. Okay, so back to like main story regular issues during operation zero tolerance the mansion was stripped clean by bastion the all of their tech all of their belongings everything was removed and so everyone's just kind of like getting by eating cans of beans and like you know like in my head can and they're like thrifting furniture because they also have no money and they're just kind of like figuring it out and cecilia's pissed off because she's been she had like a real life and you know, they're like, oh, you can come to this safe place and we'll look after you. And it's, it's not that. And then <laughs> marrow's like, this is fine. I, I used to live in the <laughs> fucking sewers, so sure. Yeah, I have a, I have a bed. <laughs> yeah. Fucking I have AC now. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and Maggot's also kind of like, this is, I, I I was led to expect there would be more, more than this, but I also have nowhere yeah, they've to go. Yeah, have been disillusioned. Yeah.
0: Well, Cecilia... Uh, this is around the time when she can still
2: feel the pain. Yes, that her, that her force fields make. Okay. Yeah, that was a cool. That was a cool uh, wrinkle to her powers.
0: Yeah, I'm sad they don't really
2: do that anymore. Yeah, me too. So yeah, Scott and Gene are leaving the team so that he can recuperate from having a bomb implanted in his stomach during Operation Zero Tolerance. Everyone's really distrustful of the newcomers. Especially after Gambit's trial, like, what are we doing letting more people who we don't know in? Like, we can't, Mm. we can't be, like, because Gambit's, like, a pretty new member. You know, like, him and Bishop were the newest members. (laughs) Bishop, by the way, they just left his ass floating in space with Deathbird. And they just... (gasps) They're just like, yeah, they don't even talk about him. They're just like, yeah, he's wow. I know. Wow. Like, they're just talking about like, oh, we feel so betrayed with Gambit and like, you know, oh, Scott had that, you know, brush with death. And, you know, things were really dicey back there. And just like not a single word about Bishop. They're like, yeah, he's fine. I'm sure he's, he's in space. He was from the future. He'll be fine.
0: He's from the future. I'm <laughs> from the future. Oh my God.
2: This is amazing. Okay. So that's just something that stuck out to me. Yeah. And all the newcomers really don't help the matter by being just antisocial weirdos. Like, Cecilia is really hostile towards everybody except for Iceman because they were buds during Operation Zero Tolerance. Uh, she also has a thing for Beast and flirts with him like crazy. <laughs> but Beast is still dating Trish Till. To- Trish Tilby. Cannonball and Maggot have this real like clash of homespun manners versus brash cockiness that contributes to him flying off to join X-Force out at the Colossal Man Festival that I talked about last episode. And then Marrow and Storm, obviously. They have a past. They have a history. <laughs> and you know, the whole thing, like Storm was supposed to be the leaders of leader of the, of the Morlocks. Morlocks mm-hmm. and blah 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 blah. So anyway. There, there's like a, a storyline where basically Marrow's like this, you know, completely fed up. And like, I want I want the real thing. Let's go Windrider. Like, l- let's have this out once and for all. And instead, Wolverine steps in and just like knocks her around for a bit. And it's like, I'm, I'm taking you under my wing, but oh. you, you need more tough love than Kitty or Jubilee. So this is how it's going to be.
0: Mentor Wolverine is like the my best. favorite Wolverine. I
2: know yeah. he's so cool, but he's like so I,
0: him being him being a
2: mentor is so so great. Yeah, I love it. Let's see. So Scott and Jean fly coach. <laughs> To go on their vacation, <laughs> that is that a plot? Like,
1: is no, that specifically didn't brought talk up? about it? No, just it's
2: like they fly coach. It's just something that I noticed. <laughs> okay. It's like this is different. Like you never.
0: Oh, you mean like as opposed to like taking the Blackbird?
2: Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. you don't okay. charter was, a plane or anything like that. They're like... on a regular commercial airline. They're flying in coach. Got you, got you, okay. They have like the the basic economy tickets that fucking I buy. (laughs) They don't, you know, reserve a seat for you and you're probably not going to sit next to your partner or whatever. Gene probably had to like mind control somebody to get them tickets next to each other.
0: Right? Because they couldn't buy it online. Right. Not in the late 90s. Right. Ew,
1: oh.
2: Oh, yeah. Wow, I'm so privileged. I know. (laughs) How did they, did you have to go to the, You, 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 that's what travel agents used to exist.
0: That's, was that the only other way was a travel agent or go to like the
2: airport. You could like call, you know, airlines and stuff, but I think, you know, anything to do with like price comparison.
1: Yeah.
2: Like that's, that's what a travel agent does. But like, or, or it's just like, oh, I fly with this airline and I'll just get whatever they have. Yeah. Wow, right? wow,
0: yeah. I I've never thought about this. Right? I've only ever bought tickets
2: online. tickets. yeah. Holy shit. Yeah.
0: I, I'm kind of, I didn't ask my mom.
2: I know, right? <laughs> Different like, world. We- <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right.
2: So So anyway, Sorry, they're flying <laughs> in a commercial airplane, and on this commercial airplane, there just so happens to be some government agency transporting a psychic alien entity and an aim, you know, like aircraft docks onto them and starts to hijack it. Scott and Jean pretend to be civilians, but save the day anyway. And the entity is snatched up by department H. So Mm. look for that in the alpha flight series. Warren comes home and he's like, Hey, sup? And they're like, "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> like <laughs> He's like, "Listen, guys. I I have like I have things to deal with too, you know? Like my girlfriend, she's been like really down lately, and I like I have this like fortune I have to look after. Like it takes a lot of my time." They're like, "Fuck off. Like you wow. haven't been there for us. Get out of here." <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And so that was entertaining. (laughs) And there's a bunch of weird like things that have been set up for future storylines. We'll see where they go. Let's see. In the Hellfire Club, someone stops time and has a secret conversation with Sebastian Shaw and hands him an envelope. No Hmm. idea what that is. We'll see where it goes. And these are all just like so it's a new new writer now. Right. Scott Lobdell is done he's off of it off of off of the x titles and they've they've got t- actually two writers splitting time between splitting uncanny and adjectiveless x-men but mm-hmm. they're not splitting the team up at all so like it's really w- they're basically like the same so like the same the character same, will yeah, act slightly yeah. differently <laughs> or, or they haven't had any like divergence from the mansion yet they haven't had like you know arcs that'll take them somewhere else, but so I'm. You know there there haven't been any instances like that uh, yet of like. But you were and then uh, right yeah. yeah. Did you, what how are you? So it's all happening like
0: Tuesday afternoon into Wednesday morning, into, exactly. Into morning yeah, and exactly yeah, 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 <laughs> Thursday yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Stephen siegel has got Tuesday Thursday and Joe, <laughs> Joe Kelly's custody. got Monday Wednesday Friday yeah yeah. <laughs> checks out okay so yeah but i think they're really trying to continue this claremont legacy of like let's just throw all of the fucking convoluted storylines in ahead of time just seed them like so far in advance of when we're going to use them and you'll just sit you'll be like i wonder what's is this When are you going to get back to that? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in one episode, like the last 10 or one issue, the last 10 pages were all just like seeding all of Set, up, these set up, future set, up, set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, Game of Thrones did that, like to a degree. To a degree.
0: Like, in, in it can the be second done, half of the it series. can be done
2: well. Like, I loved how oh, yeah. Claremont did that.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't
2: get me wrong. It's just like it's really funny that you've got this new writer coming in and they're like, Ooh, I have plot ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me let me tell you pieces of all of them now. Dude, in 40 issues, I'm going to blow your fucking mind. Right? Just you wait. Yeah. Yeah. So that, the first one was the hellfire scene. The second, some anonymous character in Egypt dies getting a package addressed to Aurora, getting it onto a plane to be delivered to her and cursing, quote, Ananasi, some character we don't know yet, so... As the what killed hit what killed him as he was trying to get this on onto, on onto the plane, and then the third one is it seems like maggots slugs are killing homeless people around Salem Center, so we'll see what's up with that. <laughs> and then in another scene, they they're like walking through Salem Center, and there's like a electronic store, and it's people are gathered around outside, and they learn about Heroes Were Born and the. The Avengers and Fantastic Four coming back. Cool. Yeah. And then another (laughs) random one, Gabrielle Haller, Professor X's baby mama, Israeli diplomat, mother of Legion. Mm -hmm. She sends a letter to Senator Kelly requesting that Charles be let out of custody now that Operation Zero Tolerance is done. while she's doing that, she's visited by Sabra, the, you know, Sabra. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: (laughs) Mm-hmm. The member of the Israeli secret intelligence agency. Anyway, Sabra reveals that Magneto's assumed identity to this point, uh, Eric Magnus Lencher, was a forgery. It's the first we know of this. Mm. Then we cut to the forger and Magneto kills the forger. This is Magneto's second appearance since returning, the first being secretly conducting the trial of Gambit in Antarctica. And then there's an issue where Cecilia tries to have a normal day at work as a doctor, but prejudices make it difficult. Both Pyro and Daredevil come in as patients. This is the one that I sent you where she threatens them with a lawsuit like a discrimination lawsuit and in that mm-hmm. panel daredevil his head is just like in the in the window in the background <laughs>
1: oh and it's like, yeah, yeah yeah did his secret,
2: just- did he just <laughs> pop up for his secret hearing because he heard discrimination lawsuit is this how he gets cases <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Unfortunately, he was in the rest of the issue, but that would be such an amazing thing to just like dare to this is have like a visual gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna write the Marvel universe as this interconnected thing, I feel like that's (laughs) these kinds of things would happen. (laughs) These kinds of things would happen. It would be hilarious. That's that's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, that's it for X-Men. X Factor. So X Factor is still underground. They've left the government in a storyline that strangely had nothing to do with Operation Zero Tolerance, even though they're <laughs> separately about, you know, 90s paranoia of corrupt government, blah, 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 blah. Sabretooth is tracking him down, and while a child goes to Val's house, where Val is hanging out with her ex-husband. And Kyle and Val clear up some business from their past. Apparently, Val was working for a government agency that was controlled by Secret Empire, which is the agency that was responsible for Kyle's backstory before he joined the various flight organizations. Mm -hmm. And Val's like, listen, I was young. I was just starting out my career. Like, I was... I had good intentions for you, but I understand that I looked past all of the obvious red flags in order to protect my career. And Kyle was like, we're good. But then he seems to mutate for the worse for good. So kind of opening the door to the wild child that we see on Krakoa. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And he's been back and forth on that so many times already. Oh. Within the pages of Alpha Flight, et cetera. It's
0: funny because the only times I see wild child are he's like, just feral and uncontrollable. Totally full feral. Yeah, yeah. To my knowledge, I've only seen him in Krakoa mm-hmm. and in Age of Apocalypse.
2: Yeah, yeah. Where he's full on feral in Age yep. of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. So that's, that's it for X Factor. Now let's get on to Bishop <laughs> uh, XSE. Bishop XSE. <laughs> the one most important thing you need to know about Bishop XSE, I think the thing that will tell you most about. The tone, the plot, everything—is that the the main baddie of the series is named Rook? Get it, Bishop Rook? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for a lot of a lot of this. Bring it on. Not pun, not puns in particular, but just ideas where where it's like. You you really thought that you were getting after it, didn't you?
0: Does he ever say checkmate?
2: No. Okay. Mm-mm. All right.
0: Okay, then I I'm I'm more willing to
2: to accept what's going on here. <laughs> but there there is a there is a point where Bishop's like seems like I'm stuck in a real chess match with
0: <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> okay. Wow.
2: Yeah. Just the fact I don't, he never acknowledges. No, it, yeah. Like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know, he's fighting against Black Knight or something. It's like, aha, bishop takes knight. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just, I want a scene where Deadpool,
0: like, is astonished that he walks forward because he should only be going in a diagonal line. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez! oh man savage avengers would have been the perfect time because they actually crossed paths oh ah, this opportunity i didn't even think
2: about it till after i read it so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so rook is a terrorist secretly the son the mutant son of this uh, wealthy dude who he Killed his whole family and and then uses these organic LMDs to and projects his like, con- he can project his consciousness into different bodies, essentially, is his power. And he uses okay. organic LMDs to make bodies of, you know, different like dummy bodies. And so he impersonates like everybody, like he impersonates his father and then his sister and then Bishop and, you know, everyone else in the XSE on this grant plan to blah, 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 discredit the XSE, who is a mutants, policing mutants organization and institute mutant supremacist rule, et cetera, et cetera. So real original. And he's got these hench folk called the fanatics with an X at the end. And they're just straight out of 90s. Edgy central casting. Go, go look them up on the wiki. See if you can see a picture of all of them. There, there's one panel at the start where they do like a roll call, and this is such a trope <laughs> of '90s comics, where it's like you're introduce, or not specifically '90s comics, but you're introducing like an entire team, like complete throwaway team of superhero of superpowered, you know, either villains or or heroes, and they do the roll call. Of all of the different names And you're just like These are awful (laughs) (laughs) They're called like Pulsar, Shadowbox, Dogface
0: (laughs) Shadowbox? Come on man It's
2: bad Is it this big ogre He's part of the Wicked Brigade No Yeah whatever Anyway so the whole time there's this like big mystery as to what the rook's real identity is, but the whole story of it is told in the exposition in the ending. There's no like sense of mystery of clues unfolding or like, you know, even like questioning or following leads or anything like that. It's like, we're introduced to all these characters at the beginning. Oh, it turns out it was this character. It's, it's real Scooby-Doo, a real Scooby-Doo ah. kind of mystery. And Bishop once again, accompanied by his squad mates, Malcolm and Randall, who were <laughs> just the most boring characters in the world. to get it because Malcolm is he's, he's real straight-laced. he's by in the, the middle. Book. Rand- oh. <laughs> Randall he he's a wild card. It is, come on. And so with no plot or mystery or characters that we care about to speak of except for Bishop you'd hope that maybe like seeing the alt future reality would be the carrying point of the story or would be something like, no, (laughs) no, it's just really generic. Like the one cool thing is they like introduce, like the mayor of New York city introduces a new statue of Liberty and then it's immediately blown up and the mayor is killed by the fanatics just like during the press conference. (laughs) And I also have a note here. Why is it that in the present, in 616, New York City is just obliterated on the daily? Just things are just fucking destroyed all the time and constantly, completely rebuilt. Uh, Credit damage control. I understand that. But in the future, (laughs) you never see it getting destroyed. It's just perpetual wreckage. It's just like, you know crumbled out hollowed out buildings everywhere for like you know the summer's rebellion was it sentinel rule all these things were happening like decades prior like they've had time to do something
0: <laughs> well that's the thing you kill damage control right and you can and you can you kill the world to destabilize yeah. the, <laughs> the entire modern world I found the fanatics yeah. Also the fact that their first appearance is Bishop XSE number one and their last <laughs> is Bishop XSE number three.
2: Yeah, some real some real commitment <laughs> to these characters. Even worse, this book has typos. Just constant Dude. typos. So many. There's like at least five that I caught in the three issues that I read.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. I come across typos like one every like five
0: books. hmm I just I just I feel like I'm just, it's a numbers game.
2: You know, how many hundreds of thousands of words have I read? I think there was one that was actually a misspelling. Like they Oof. they miss. It's not like, you know, they. Had, a an honest typo or like it got rushed through. It's like the writer misspelled it and then the editor didn't catch it. And then it's <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. And even Steve Epting is the artist on this series. And he was like, this is the guy who did Winter Soldier. Like this is some of the best art, comic book art that I've ever seen in my life. And it's just so rushed and so just uninspired. Mm. The last note that I have to leave us off on Bishop XSE (laughs) is that, so Bishop's like shaking down mooks, right? Trying to get information about the Rook and he goes into, you know, your standard bar full of villains, and he grabs a guy name, with green hair named Booger, <laughs> and there's a panel where he he's shaking Booger down, and <laughs> Booger has a text, a dialogue balloon that just reads "Yaba Yaba Yaba."
1: <laughs>
2: wow. Okay. I, I think I've told you absolutely everything that you need to know about Bishop XSE. To
0: show how in-depth they got into Fanatics, I'm looking at their Marvel wiki
2: mm-hmm.
0: and paraphernalia weapons, energy weapons.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's all it says. Some, some real deep lore there. Even though there's like a werewolf-looking guy named Dogface. I assume that's Dogface. I, he, he never want to assume.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like you'd think he'd have I'll, I'll claws. Put it this,
2: I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. I wouldn't personally call him Dogface, even if I was introduced, you know, it's like, oh, these are my friends, Pulsar, Shadowbox, dog I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, so dog faced. <laughs> 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 Tell me about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. OK. What keeps you busy these days? Visigoth, Razorback, Hardball
0: and Callie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're They're all from
2: Earth 1191. They're just flipping through the dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we don't have anyone named Visigoth yet. Yeah. Oh, man. Wild. (laughs) So that's it for me for comics that I read for the week.
0: So not terrible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly had some things to talk about. Yeah. That wasn't too bad. I would say they're pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Bishop XSC was... Special. I think the thing that's bothering me really is that I'm I'm not super enjoying the mainline X Men titles. Maybe once these writers get going with you know their own plots, then I'll be able to give more of more of a report back. But for mm. now, like if the flagship title isn't really carrying, that's kind of a rough spot to be in. Yeah. And Excalibur is bad, and X Factor is bad, and. <laughs> <laughs> Generation X is gone downhill, and X X four X Force. I'm enjoying, but there's going to be a lot of snark for the next uh quite a bit. Checks out.
0: So I know nothing about this, but my next read is called Heroes Reborn, <laughs> and I'm I I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, there's three books though. Yeah. So because I it's not. It's not uh, the 19- heroes are born from the yeah. 90s. Yeah. Which is the storyline that brought all of the non-mutant heroes back from Counter Earth mm-hmm. after
2: Onslaught. Franklin created. Franklin, etc., etc. Et yeah.
0: I will say I forgot to point out last week, last episode, that with that forever gate in Fantastic Four, Ricky Barnes came yeah. over. Okay. Cool. But which is interesting because Ricky Barnes has been on 616. I wonder oh. if she returned to Counter Earth. Okay. And then came back through the Forever Gate mm-hmm. for reasons. But sure. anyway, she's she is a she's aware that she is Counter Earth. She was created by Franklin Richards. And so she got to like meet her creator kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like it was literally one panel. Sure. And I don't know where she went after that. But Fair. you you'd mentioned that.
2: You know, we're leading up to Heroes Reborn, so I thought about it. Well, Heroes Reborn has actually already happened. Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, they're learning the that 90s. it happened? Yeah, they learned that it happened. Oh, got it. Yeah, okay. everyone's just like standing and applauding and cheering that the, that the Avengers and the Fantastic Four are back. Got it. How yep.
0: far away are we from
2: New X-Men? Two, three real world years.
0: That's pretty close. We're yeah. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a huge tone shift from where we're at right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to
2: new X-Men. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow, okay. Fun. Yeah. Did you want to talk about Hawkeye to close this pod out or or do you want to be done?
0: Yeah, you want to do like 10 15 minutes?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Okay. Hawkeye. Yeah.
2: 6 6 episodes. Short and sweet.
0: Short and sweet. It is kind of my go-to Christmas
2: thing now. <laughs> yeah. Since it is Christmas themed. Be- beating out beating out, Die Hard.
0: Yeah. So a lot of people, their go-to is Die Hard. Yeah. My in-laws and Alana's go-to is White Christmas. It's an old musical
2: mm-hmm. with Bing
0: Crosby. Mm-hmm. Other people's go-to is Nightmare Before Christmas, mm-hmm. which is kind of my go-to because I love the soundtrack. Yeah. It is now Hawkeye Season 1.
2: Yeah. <laughs> For for Monsters, it's Love Actually. Yeah, it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I liked it. I was just honestly, like two days ago, obsessing about the fact that in the first episode, we had Greer, potentially Nelson, <laughs> just name dropped mm-hmm. as, and has an actress cast and exists as a classmate. And again, this goes against... My whole there can be more than one Greer in the world, <laughs> but it's also Marvel, so I am going by the Marvel standard. <laughs> uh-huh. That you're never gonna have another Reed, right? <laughs> you're never gonna have a, 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 another another another
2: Greer. Like that's just remember remember when we were had the giant mix up between Bobby Drake and Bob Bobby DaCosta Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, we, yeah, we absolutely did, which was which is hilarious. But like Bobby is such a generic name that like, OK, I'm fine. They
2: all are. Greer is not a generic
0: name. Yeah. Greer is not generic. No,
2: but really the main isn't. the main like Anthony, Stephen, mm-hmm. Robert. Well, there's a there's a Steve and a Stephen and they they really keep it. Well, separate. there's there's Steve and Stephen. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Strange Thank is you. a PH. Thank you for standing up to the, uh, the correct spelling of my name.
0: <laughs> and yeah, uh, there are, there, there, I think there's other Pete.
2: There's Pete Wisdom. There's Peter Parker. Like, oh, there's a lot of Pete's. Yeah. Yeah. And have you noticed that everyone that Kitty's ever had a significant relationship with Pete Wisdom, Peter Quill, Piotr? Oh, oh my gosh. I know. She's got a thing for Pete's. She's got a thing for Pete's keep her away from spider-man oh she they dated in ultimate what no. yeah
0: <laughs> oh my that's gosh ridiculous. that's hilarious <laughs> they dated in ultimate that's how they got a crossover between spider-man and, and x-men is oh my god they, met and they started dating. oh my gosh wow that's hilarious kitty okay. okay. yeah <laughs> hawkeye good times so anyway greer is a character mm-hmm. in college Sure. Potential. So we keep on saying Greer and I don't think anyone knows who Greer is. Greer is, Greer is Tigra. Literally
2: a cat the, woman. The horniest superhero. She, th- th-
0: that is your, yes, that is your favorite. She reason. also, yeah. she is the, she had a baby with scroll Hank Pym. Right. And he already has little, he's already part cat. So the, the DC equivalent in my head is Cheetah. Mm-hmm. Who is a uh, Wonder Woman villain, but she's literally Tigra is like a furred human a furry. and she's she she's got you know the <laughs> orange and black stripes.
2: and I, I know I know you're trying to 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 keep navigating this away from this reading, but I, I can't help what works.
0: <laughs> I know she was. Overly sexualized in the in the sense that she was sleeping with everyone, and also
2: cat ladies kind of a thing that she's you do.
0: Cat lady, but then also like her costume is literally a bikini. yep, it is a black string bikini mm-hmm. because she's a cat. You wouldn't need to cover everything up because she's got fur all over her body. I don't know. It's yeah. dumb. I mean, like, yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. But Tigra is kind of a character in MCU now, and she is Kate Bishop's classmate so my my favorite episodes were the last two episodes as far as things that happened and revelations and
2: sort of cameos and plot stuff i just i had a good time with it i did too i couldn't help but first of all it was stuffed (laughs) and part of me felt like it it didn't really fall victim to the Spider Man three syndrome of just having too many things and too many characters, but it was dangerously close. I would have appreciated just a little more time with the things that worked the best. Yeah. I think it would have been better as an eight episode series. Yeah. But they also all worked. Like I, I think the, the there wasn't like a weak point where it's like, oh my god, why am I spending time with, you know, Maya Lopez? I just wanna hang out with Yelena Mm. Belova, you know, or anything like that. Yelena's, Yelena was so much fun. Oh my God. Florence Pugh, I could, I could watch her read the phone book. She is just one of those, one of those actors, you know, who can just do absolutely anything and is just always incredibly watchable.
0: Yeah. I love the character that they've created for her, for Yelena. Yeah. Of this like little sister badass, Uh fully accepts her red room training, but just wants to be. Like, a tourist. Yeah. (laughs) Kate Bishop, don't don't do this. We
2: we drink martinis. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: I was just like, do you want to go get a drink? Yeah, I'll go get a drink. After I kill Barton. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, no. (laughs) And Kate just being like, stop making me like you. I can't help it. it's natural. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like, aw.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they had great chemistry. Kate was great. I I really like that character. And I couldn't help but compare it to Matt Fraction and David Aha and Oh
0: god, yeah.
2: Their legendary run on on Hawkeye, just like character defining. And they were very self-conscious about pulling the influence from that in so many ways, like the dog, you know, the mm-hmm. fact that it's the the Kate and Clint pairing, the tracksuit Dracula's, <laughs> the the use of Kazi the clown and You know, all of this stuff, just all of this was was very much pulled from that run. But Mm -hmm. it was a really interesting inversion because in Fraction's run, even though he's older, it's Clint who is just a mess and doesn't have Mm -hmm. his shit together. And it's Kate who's like, really trying, you know, like, come on, like, (laughs) get your shit together. We have shit to do. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I enjoyed the inversion in this because... There's the question of, like, you know, you can't do... It's just such a different Hawkeye character, such a different Clint Barton between the MCU right. and within Fractions Run. And they pulled pieces of it in, like him getting injured a lot, or, <laughs> you know, just like, like come on, I don't have time. You know, just kind of being stubborn, curmudgeonly, like things like that. But he's not a hot mess the way Fractions Hawkeye was. Yeah. But... They compensated for that by making Kate the hot mess, <laughs> and so <laughs> it, it was cool the way that they were able to invert that de- that dynamic and still make the the relationship work.
0: Yeah. So when they announced the show, yeah, it was one automatically is going to assume that's going to be a fraction like show because just because it's the defining. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much the Hawkeye story. Yeah. And the Hawkeye that we've gotten so far, I'm like, how.
2: How the you family gonna, like, man, the yeah.
0: Yeah, family man with a secret family that's hidden with shield and like the serious. He he's they've made him a little more jokey yeah. as time has gone on, but uh, every character has become that. But like <laughs> he's got that grumpy face. And then he also, you know, he's got, at got the that end Jeremy of, Renner
2: face, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and at the end of Endgame, he's you know, he's a grieving. Man, like yeah, totally. How do you how do you translate that into the like kind of like slapsticky, plucky, sort of nonchalant clint that you get in fractions run? Right. And I think they found a really interesting kind of blend there. And mm-hmm. the sa- the same with every other show that we've gotten, minus what if is you're giving the title character this screen time of processing Mm -hmm. stuff life and grief and everything that the first three phases of marvel has hit them with you you'd be able to use the show to really explore what they realistically are going through like canonically in the books in the comics you know clint is deaf and Mm -hmm. then you have a clint now that has a hearing aid and he's deaf, and you're like, how does that work? And you're like, yeah. well, when you live through what you just live lived through, yeah, shit's gonna like yeah. take a toll on your body. And, and like And that it's,
2: it's a great works. way to to emphasize the fact that he's not a superhuman. He's not a super yeah. soldier. Like yeah. he experiences a traumatic injury and it stays on his body in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a really important part of, of that character and of the of Being able to have that as a perspective within the Avengers is a a cool one.
0: Absolutely. It also lent, I really liked, you know, New York City's a hustling and bustling, loud-ass fucking city. And then in that last episode, when he takes his earpiece out to have just this one-on-one talk with Natasha was just so well done. It was such a great for lack of a better friend, uh, use of him being deaf of uh, just he can just at a moment's notice cut the world out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just let it just be him with his own thoughts. Like mm-hmm. that is such a cool like they don't do that in the comics. They don't because you can't mm-hmm. like yeah. you can't represent Sounded choosing to sound. go deaf kind of a thing. Like although
2: you know <laughs> God the, <laughs> again, I'm just gonna gush about Mark Wade and Chris Samney on, on Daredevil. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, you can you can represent things in such an interesting way. But like, yeah, for a scene, it's hard to do. Yeah. And I I love that they took advantage of being able to do that with this medium.
2: I feel like all of our MCU reviews are just going to be me telling people to read comics. (laughs) Good. (laughs) This is totally fine. And it's not because like, oh, they did it so much better here. It's just like there are such good comics out there. There really are. Anyone who hasn't read it yet, please get your ass down to watch, uh, to read that Hawkeye run with uh, Matt Fraction yeah, and Davida Hutt. First it volume, is,
0: My Life is a Weapon.
2: Yep. It's like my go-to for like, you know, just hand somebody like a comic. I think it's like the most, I know I've said this over and over again. I think it's one of the most technically like precise comics that I've ever read like just the the use of framing and cutting techniques in jumping between scenes and between panels there's just so much in there it, they just so fully utilize the comics medium in such interesting ways that you don't even notice as a reader you're and it helps you follow along the story instead of distracting you out and being like oh look they did that thing for sure mm-hmm. it's like the watchmen that calls less attention to itself <laughs> Yeah, it was it was just
0: a lot of fun. I think the part that I didn't like is just kind of like the the tee off scene. Um tee off is the wrong word, but anyway, Caiton and,
2: and Clint in the middle of the ice rink that was shooting everyone down that was with bow and arrows. A bit much where she's stuck in the tree and the yada and the that
0: that was like whatever, but like them, they're two stationary beings
2: mm-hmm. taking
0: on an entire gang, rushing them that has guns. Yeah. Like they should have been hit <laughs> at some
2: <laughs> point there. Like that part was a little ridiculous. The trick arrows were fun. I, I love. Trick the, arrows were a lot of fun. Yeah. The duel between Kate and Kingpin was interesting. Oh my God. Yeah. So I don't know if we have time to get into this, but we have DiNofrio's Fisk. And Charlie Cox is uh, Matt Murdock, both showing yes. up in MCU properties My recently. Fucking, I love it so much, dude,
0: because they—they they were perfect. They, they are, are were both such perfect. definitive roles. They're—they're they're yeah. so good. It's like Hugh Jackman was a great casting for for Logan. I honestly I loved Patrick Stewart as Xavier. Mm-hmm. Ian McKellen's Magneto
2: is fucking Michael amazing. Michael Fassbender's Magneto was also fantastic.
0: Fassbender's Magneto is fucking amazing. Yeah. Charlie Cox as Daredevil was. Damn near perfect. Yeah, D'Onofrio's fucking Fisk is a is so good, so good. Whatever the guy's damn name is for Punisher, for Castle. Oh yeah, John Bernthal. Bernthal's Punisher is is more is louder and more animated than the Frank Castle you get in the comics. Yeah,
2: but it's done so well that I'm I'm totally here for it. I, I also that was an incredibly powerful performance. Just like yeah. The pain.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, absolutely. I really, really want Kristen Ritter for Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I think she did a different Jessica from the comics, but yeah. she does such a good one.
2: Totally. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally
0: down for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not huge on Patsy. Yeah. I don't mind getting a different
2: Luke. He did a great Luke, but I, I would also like a different Luke.
0: The <laughs> aesthetically, the casting for Danny
2: was really good, Uh but it was
0: just executed so poorly that I'm okay with getting a different Danny. Yeah. The Cindy Moon we got was a little weird. I liked the woman they got from Misty. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm terrible at knowing actors' names. I apologize. Yeah. I know know hero names and I know secret identities. (laughs) I don't know actors, okay?
2: (laughs) I, I think the most likely is just going into the supporting cast for Daredevil first before really going... Through the rest of the Marvel Netflix. Right. That's pretty much what we've done so far. So like, and everyone in in that was perfect. Like the actor who played Foggy. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Foggy was great. Karen Page. She was fantastic.
0: She was a a pretty good Karen Page. Not going to lie. Rosario Dawson Mm -hmm. for Claire Temple. Which Mm -hmm. there's like three different night nurses. Yeah. So if we do a different night nurse, I'm not going to cry. Right, but she she played off of Charlie Cox so well.
2: Yeah, she did. She really, really did.
0: But yeah, I mean, just getting Charlie and D'Onofrio, if that's all we get
2: from Netflix, I'm 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 fine. <sighs> Part of me would be hurt if they didn't keep the same Foggy as well. Yeah they
0: they had amazing like they as actors somehow tapped into this like yeah we've been best buds for. Decades already. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess they've, they've been in college, but like mm-hmm. they did that so well. Yeah. 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 They killed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree, but he's not a must have. He's not, he's not on this. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah. Hawkeye was great. Easily my favorite of the like six MCU shows that are on. Oh Disney
2: yeah. Plus right now. Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
0: My second favorite MCU outing for phase four, I will say. <laughs> Mm. Shang Chi was really good, but I think Hawkeye ekes it out. Mm-hmm. And No Way Home just so oh yeah, golly, yeah. One of these days, <laughs> when it when it hits Disney Plus,
2: let's gush on it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Or just let me gush on it because yeah. holy shit. Ugh.
0: But yeah, let's let's cut let's it wrap here. up here.
2: But let's let's choose a uh, MCU topic to talk about next week because this this wrap up is fun. Do you want to talk about Loki? Do you want to? Uh, we talked about what if and. You talked a lot about Falcon Winter Soldier on the Superhero Ethics podcast, so yeah. I won't have us rehash anything there. We talked okay. a little bit about Shang-Chi on, on this pod. We talked a little mm-hmm. bit uh, about, or we talked a lot about WandaVision on this pod. So mm-hmm. we could go Loki, we could go, what if we could go, or not. what if, we could go Loki, we could go Black Widow. <laughs> I want to talk about Loki, which tells me we should do Black Widow first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much to say on Black Widow.
0: Neither do I, but like okay. it's it's worth covering because it sure. expands the MCU. Yeah. Think when and I think I think what we can focus on is like what can we look out for that was introduced or conceptualized in Black Widow going forward. Yeah. Cuz there there's 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 a lot that that is thrown in to Black Widow that is,
2: is like "quote unquote unresolved." for the future it's true it's just another another time when we're talking about a movie but we don't talk about the movie we talk about the things that the movie sets up right. so that we can because watch other the movie
0: movies. itself wasn't that amazing
2: so yeah. give it some screen time
0: yeah <laughs> but anyway, right. anyway so we're doing reign of x one through five
1: yes. i'm excited
0: yes me too and so we'll have a giant size x-men so maybe not next episode well yeah. next episode's going to be kind of packed kind of packed <laughs> Wait, wait, Until then, we're going to put right. the outro music oh. here. And okay. then uh, we'll go about our very way. All right. Take care of
1: <laughs> <laughs> To see you <us>
0: <laughs> Introducing Black Fury and shoehorning in this side story that is his illegit- own to his bastard child. <laughs> I know! It's his bastard son <laughs> from a war like <laughs> other S.H.I.E.L.D.